1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the, man, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For God has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. For, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me say a very good morning to you as well. And uh, it'd be great if you could also uh, grab a Bible and have that open in front of you. Uh, not just randomly open anywhere, but um, hopefully in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as we continue this series we're doing in this book, uh, as we call, which we're calling uh, The Cross-Shaped Church. Okay, hopefully that gives you a chance to get there. Let me, um, let me pray for us. Father God, we do so easily live in fear and unbelief. Even after everything Jesus did to rescue us through your great love, so strengthen our timid hearts and minds so that we would indeed put all our trust in the saving grace that is to be found in the cross of Christ. Amen. Now, folks, if you would think that if something was a good idea, everyone would just get it, right? I like to think that if uh, uh, something is a, uh, a good idea and it's, and it's presented to a reasonable bunch of people, like your good selves, then people will understand it and get on board with it. But that's not always the case, is it? Like, I remember when I discovered uh, that Fiona, my wife, had never watched Star Wars. I was like, what? 
how could you have never watched Star Wars? We, we must watch this at once. And so I frog marched out. Okay, we watched it that late, that later that night. We didn't watch it straight uh, at once. But we watched it later that night. And I couldn't believe it when after about 20 or 30 minutes in, Fiona fell asleep. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not talking about the prequels here. I'm talking about the original Star Wars movie, the, A New Hope. Remember around about the, the same time, I discovered that Fiona loves maths. And as she gushed enthusiastically about equilateral triangles and composite numbers and uh, geometric progression. I, I, it was stunning how quickly I went from thinking I was the luckiest man in the world to be married to this woman to thinking, is this going to work out? <laughs> I was amazed. How, how could anyone not get how great Star Wars is? Well, Fiona was amazed that I couldn't see the incredible beauty of mathematical formulae. And I reckon we all tend to be a bit like that, don't we? We share something amazing we've experienced with a friend or family member. Uh, or we tell people about a brilliant um, offer we've discovered. Or we pitch what we think is a great idea at work. And people don't get it. And they won't get on board with it. I mean, we all know how a good idea isn't always accepted, even when it is a good idea. And in a similar way, I'm sure you will have experienced how the message of the cross, this incredible message that Jesus died on the cross to save us from death and sin and judgment and bring us into an incredible living relationship with the God who made us for all eternity. This message that's right at the heart of what Christianity is. This message that the Bible tells us is the good news of Christianity. We've all experienced how it gets seriously mixed reactions. And we maybe wonder, why? Why don't people get it? And maybe some of us have been around church for a while, and actually we're thinking and saying this morning, well, Ben, I don't get it. We know the cross is really important to Christianity, but we don't quite understand why. Well, as we've been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians over the last two weeks, We've seen that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And though God was clearly at work there, they had big problems. The church was messed up because they were pushing Jesus out of the church. And we saw last week that one of the ways they were doing that was by losing confidence in this message of the cross of Christ. Their heads had been turned by, by clever, impressive philosophy and a, and a spirituality that talked more about power than the crucified Son of God. And as we dive back in at the start of chapter 2, we find Paul saying to the church there that when he visited them, verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that when folks don't get it, Paul? Why would you do that when the message of the cross just looks so foolish and weak and unimpressive to so many, not just back then, but today too? To which Paul would say... Well, what do we know? For true wisdom comes from God, not humans. And that's the first of three points that Paul's going to uh, give us as we work our way through this passage this morning. True wisdom comes from God. You see, the world may dismiss the gospel of Christ as foolish, but Paul insists that his message is in fact wise. Take a look at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age 
or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Folks, there are really two different kinds of wisdom in this world. In the red corner, there is the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age. And then in the blue corner, there is the secret or hidden wisdom of God. And the two clash jarringly. So the wisdom of this age says that there, is, there are many ways to God. And we can't say that any of them are wrong. But then along comes the gospel. And it says, well, actually, there's only one way to God. And that is by being forgiven through the death of his son, Jesus. And there's a clash, isn't there? Or the wisdom of this age says that we must make no judgments on how anyone lives or behaves. And then along comes the gospel and says, well, actually, we are under massive judgment from God because of the way we've treated him and the way we've treated others. And even though the gospel reassures us that Jesus died to take away that judgment for us, there's still a clash. And that's our big problem, isn't it? The problem is often not with the gospel, the good news of the cross itself, but the way it clashes with the views of the world around us and gets us into awkwardness and argument, disagreement and division, often with the people we love the most. But that doesn't make it untrue. That just makes it uncomfortable. And so we're not to be discouraged because the Apostle Paul says, verse 6, that the wisdom of this age is, is here today and gone tomorrow. It is, along with the rulers of this age, passing away. Their wisdom is simply a now thing. Last weekend, my sister-in-law ran 26.2 miles in what just so happened to be the hottest ever London marathon. But in the run-up uh, to the event, she asked us to guess when women were first allowed to run in that event. What do you think? Any guesses? 1984. I couldn't, but yes, exactly. I couldn't believe that it was that recently. But before that, they wouldn't let women run because they didn't think women were physically capable of running that far. And they thought it would therefore be harmful for them. But since then, thousands, if not millions of women, including my sister-in-law, have proved the wisdom of that age, wrong. It's passed away. And of course, that's the kind of small-minded wisdom <laughs> that we all want to pass away. But history is littered with temporary wisdom that seemed much more progressive in its time. Like how back in the 1920s and 1930s, uh, people thought that, the, that everyone had learned the lessons of World War I, if not all war, and so they started to call it the war to end all wars. Only for the rest of the 20th century to be the most bloody in all of human history. Or what about uh, the French, who, after the revolution, adopted the 10-day uh, week back in 1793, Folks, I'm just tired even thinking about that, and I'm so glad it only lasted a decade. But every generation likes to think that they've finally arrived, and they now ooze enlightened intelligence, intelligence even. But our wisdom, like all human wisdom, has a sell-by date. It's for this age only, and it will soon pass away. 
And tragically, verse 6 again, it and those who peddle it will come to nothing. They are doomed. By contrast, the Apostle Paul's message of wisdom is God's wisdom. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. I love how space telescopes like the Hubble telescope can peer into space and show us images from millions of years ago uh, because the light takes so long to get back to us. It's an awesome thought, isn't it? These stars have been and gone, and we're just catching up. Would you see, verse 7 tells us that the gospel idea was devised in the mind of God before time began. And we're just catching up. This plan was once hidden in the Old Testament with just hints and promises of the rescuer to come. But it's now an open secret, thanks to Christ's death and resurrection. And it's designed to steer us where? Do you see? To glory. To our ultimate future in heaven with him. The wisdom of this age is passing away, but God's wisdom, Paul's message of wisdom, is the key that unlocks God's plan of eternity. Yet we can't understand it by ourselves, which is my second point. We can't understand it by ourselves. As Paul goes on in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's a really shocking verse, isn't it? The rulers of Jesus' time, the best and the brightest of the Roman Empire and the Jewish government, they crucified the Lord of glory. And when they nailed Jesus to the cross, it was not because they knew he was the ultimate time Lord. The key to this glorious future that God has planned for us. No, they didn't understand They simply saw him as a threat to to their wisdom and their plans. And folks, none of us can understand God's wisdom on our own, which is the point Paul goes on to make in verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? I mean, who knows what someone else is thinking? Go on, try to guess what I am thinking right now. What do you think? Any mind readers out there? I'm not, I'm not going to take a show of hands. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to take some guesses, actually. But I'll just tell you, I was dreaming of the day when Partick Thistle, my beloved Partick Thistle, win the Champions League and hold that massive trophy aloft. What a day that will be. Um, now, I'm guessing that you didn't, think of that. Um, and I also suspect uh, that some of you don't even know what a Partick Thistle is. But as you can maybe see from the screen behind me, Partick Thistle are a football team in Glasgow. And not a very good one at that. So they will never win the Champions League. But you see the point. We can't discern what one another are thinking, let alone God. You can launch as many Hubble telescopes into space, but they can't see as far back as before the ages. You can fill 
the universities with PhD students and invest massively in research departments, but you can't work out what God has planned for us in the future. But, the Apostle Paul says, we can tell you. Verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. I was once at a funeral service where they started the service with verse 9. What a brilliant time to read something like that. If only they hadn't blown it by leaving off verse 10. You come to the start of the service and a coffin is standing there right in front of you and you're facing death, the unknown, a dead end, and you're wondering, does the minister have anything to say about this? Well, yes, he does. He says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then he stops. As if the Christian gospel can only shrug and sigh in the face of death. Well, it's up to our imagination now. We can only guess. <laughs> but doesn't it make such a difference if as you stare at the, min- uh, at the coffin and the minister stands up, he adds in verse 10, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. He says you can't possibly know the future. (laughs) It's a frightening ignorance at a time like this. But you've come to the people who can tell you the answer. Arrogance? (laughs) No, no, no. Paul isn't claiming brilliance for himself here. It's not his own reason or intellect that has given him the answer. It's revelation. God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Which leads me to Paul's third and final point. We can only understand by the spirit. Now you could sit there all day trying to guess what I'm thinking about. And if you did that, you'd be a very sad person indeed. (laughs) But the only way you can know what I'm thinking is if I start speaking to you and revealing myself to you. And like any person, we can only know God and what's on his mind if he starts speaking to us and revealing himself to us. And the message of wisdom that the world is crying out for every time a loved one dies is the message of wisdom that we can understand. Because, back to verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I don't know if you've noticed that when you do a Google search, when it comes back, it will say just um, at at the top of the search, it will say Google found 2,450,000 results in 0.54 seconds. If you've not noticed that, look for it next time. But folks, Google schmoogle. The Spirit searches everything. The Spirit knows everything, even the deep things of God. Just imagine 
the mind of God is this vast ocean, like the Pacific Ocean, stretching out for miles and miles and miles and going so deep, deep down. And the person of the Spirit swims to the very depths, to the, to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, if you like, and not only finds, but resurfaces, comprehending everything God thinks. Now, if only he could help us. Well, he does. As he shares his findings with us, verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, the things freely given us by God there must mean his son given to die for us on the cross. And the Spirit teaches the Bible writers, like Paul, do you see verse 13, to write these things down so they can read them today and with the Spirit's help, understand them and accept them. Now, does that seem a bit disempowering to you? Well, good. I hope it does. Because we're supposed to open our Bibles and think, I haven't got a hope of understanding this without God's Spirit. Being disempowered is great for us because it means that then we will hopefully be ready to ask for help. So maybe you've been sitting here this morning, you've been thinking, Ken, I am one of those who just don't get it. I come to church and I, I, I want to believe. But now you've told me that I can't do that unless God does something for me. And so it seems there's, there's nothing that I can do. Well, there is something you can do. Jesus once said this in Luke 11, verse 13. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So pray and ask God, to give him your spirit, uh, to, give, to, give him his, to give you his spirit even. And since the work of the spirit is to help us understand and accept what God has said in the Bible, you need at the same time to put yourself on the receiving end of the Bible. So why not take away one of these little bits of the Bible, an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus by Mark. They're on the display racks there. And why not talk to myself or Ben later on about getting into one of our uh, explore groups, Christianity Explored, Life Explored, Discipleship Explored. That would be really helpful for you, I'm sure. And by the way, I would say the same thing to you if you're experiencing doubts as a believer. Keep praying that God would be working in you by his spirit. And keep yourself on the receiving end of his word. Keep reading it. Keep going to whatever group you're in. Keep coming to church and be patient and hang in there as God brings you through these faith difficulties that you've run into. And if you are a believer, be humble and be grateful. You're not a believer because you climbed your clever ladder to embrace Jesus as Savior. You didn't figure it all out by yourself. No, you're a believer because God, in his mercy, has worked in you by his Spirit to enable you to accept what you otherwise would have rejected in your folly. You wear verse 14. The natural person 
who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or her. And he or she is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But now you are, with the Spirit's help, verse 15, the spiritual person who judges all things, but is himself or herself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, what on earth is all that about? (laughs) Well, bear with me a second as I finish. Well, the spiritual person judges all things, which is the word used there for judge is really the same word used in verse 14 for discerns. So verse 15 could read, the spiritual person discerns all things, but is not himself discerned. I think the best way to understand it is like this. He or she begins to understand, but they are not understood. You see, in the eyes of others, the Christian becomes an enigma to their friends and family who don't know the Spirit. Have you ever experienced that? They don't understand why you want to do this and you don't want to do that. Or why you believe the other thing. Well, it's not surprising because verse 16, they can't understand God's mind. And now they can't understand ours either. But we have the mind of Christ, says Paul. Hold on to that truth. Next time you're frustrated, fed up, um, exasperated um, or embarrassed by always being misunderstood and feeling on the outside of things. If this is the reason, we have the mind of Christ, but it's all just a fog to them. Why on earth would you want to swap? With this book in our hands and God's spirit in our lives, we're in touch with the mind of the one who created us. So we can know what life's about. We can know what right and wrong is. And we can know what his best plans for marriage and society and everything is. And above all, we can know and understand that things can only come right as people one by one come back to God by trusting in Jesus' death for them. And Paul is saying, if God's opened our eyes to all of that, then resist the pressure to be embarrassed about the cross or to change it. Because it's not just another human opinion. It's God's. And ultimately, it will lead us to glory. Folks, we need to pray. Boy, do we need to pray. So let's just take a a moment on our own to respond to God's word in prayer. Let's just have a moment of silence to do that. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. <laughs> 